tonight. I'm going to be talking about Hebrews chapter 12. We're titling this tonight, I guess, Run the Race, but I've had some thoughts as I develop this, and I want to extend the thought a little bit. Run the race without growing weary and giving up, is what I would say, okay? But as always, I got a very deep theological question for you guys to discuss at your tables real quick. That's a joke. In case anybody missed that. We've only got one more, one more week. Yeah, thanks, Will. You got that? Thanks, buddy. we only got one more week of youth group left. Are we going to do anything through the summer? Does anybody want to meet during the summer, by the way, real quick? Gracie, thank you. Grace, Grace and I are going to have youth group through the summer. It's going to be awesome. All right. Here's your question. Would you rather run a sprint or a marathon? Would you rather run a sprint or a marathon? Or, or as Lori, Lori Christensen so kindly said... She would rather be the, what, the timekeeper? The timer. That's what she wants to be as the timer. Talk about that at your tables. We'll come back up in just a moment. Okay, if I can have everybody's attention back to the front of the room. Seems like that was a pretty hot topic. There's a lot of talking going on at the tables. Who, by the raising of the hands, who would rather run a sprint than a marathon? Who would rather run a sprint? Well, you guys are, who'd rather run a marathon? Yeah, see, I got some marathoners in the room. I'll be talking about that in the next few minutes. <laughs> All right, here's the deal. <clears throat> this is not the scripture that I want to kind of focus on tonight, but I want to read something out of Galatians for you guys. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for in the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. I want to give you guys something in the next two weeks, graduation, I'll be talking to the graduates more specifically next week, but I wanted to kind of, the reason why I brought this scripture up tonight, I want to give you guys something that you can use down the road, because like I'm often talking about, we don't know what tomorrow brings, but we do know that Christianity, to walk as a Christian here on earth is not an easy thing to do, even by God's grace and his glory, we still at times want to just throw in the towel and say, I'm done with this. Life gets too hard. There's too many challenges, too many trials. Jesus tells us this. You will face many trials and have many troubles of many kinds. But he finishes by saying this, take heart. I have overcome the world. So we have victory as long as we stay with the end of it. But what I want to do tonight is I really want to hang on to this idea of, okay, Dan, we're not supposed to grow weary in our well-doing, but how do we go about that? And that's what I want to lay before you guys tonight, this idea of running a race without growing weary and quitting. And the reason why I'm bringing this up tonight is I have done a marathon, okay? I ran a marathon. Well, I wouldn't say I ran a marathon. I would say I got through a marathon. <laughs> it's probably a better way to put it. About, everybody's heard me talk about this before. About mile 18, I ran smack dab into the wall. And that wall that they talk about in a marathon is very real. It's very real. I can explain it this way. No exaggeration at all. All I wanted to do, I just forgot how to run. I was running and it was just like I just stopped. It was a crazy, I just stood there. It was the craziest thing in the world. My legs would not, my brain could not make my legs move. <clears throat> so I stood there and the only thing I wanted to do, if I can explain my mentality, physically, spiritually, and emotionally, all I wanted to do, and I am not exaggerating, is curl up in a little ball alongside the road and cry like a little baby. That's what I felt like. It was horrible. So hang on to that as I get to talking about this. I'll touch some more on this later on. But I really think there's a way that we can run this race of life. I think what we're looking at tonight, we run this race of life without giving up, without growing weary, because weariness leads us to quitting. So let's read the scripture tonight. Corey, if you bring that up, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes or looking onto Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects or the author and the perfecter of our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, discarding its shame. And now he sits, now he is seated in place in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not given your lives and your struggle against sin. When we look at this, I think there's three things I can pull out of this, three points I want to make that are on your bulletin tonight. The first thing we've got to do is look around us. The second thing we do is we look within us, look at us. And the third thing we do is we look at Jesus. If we do these three things as I work through this tonight, I really honestly believe no matter what is thrown at you in life as a Christian, no matter what you will experience over the next couple of years in high school or high schoolers going off to college, whatever you experience, if, if you will hang on to this, if we trust Scripture, we hang on to this, we will not grow weary and give up if we do what I'm talking about tonight. The first thing is, is this. we got to look around us. In chapter and verses, verse 1a, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith. Basically, what we got to do is got to look around us. When I, was running the, when I was running the Boulder Boulder, it's a 10K a couple years back, you actually finish this race by running into the University of Colorado. Clint's got a, I think that's a t-shirt you got on tonight, isn't it? So you got, who's been at Colorado Stadium for the University of Colorado? It's enormous. So I, again, don't run real fast. <laughs> So I'm not at the front of the pack, okay? But I'm running this 10K, and I will never forget this. A couple things struck me in this, and a little bit of a rabbit trail if I can. As you round this corner, my wife and I are running up this street. And as you run up the street, if you can visualize it, you run up the road like this, and you're kind of pulling a little bit of a hill, and then you take a right, and you go into the stadium, and you run around the track, okay? But I'm not in the front of the line. There was thousands of people that have gotten there before me, right? So, but it struck me, and I, this is not even part of my message tonight, but in a way it can, it can be. I was running up that road, and as I'm running toward the finish line, I see an enormous amount of people going back this way. And in my mind, I'm always running scripture through my head. And I thought about this scripture that says, narrow is the path that leads to life, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And I just kept thinking, I watched this line of people running up this hill in front of me, and it wasn't real wide, it was just a couple people wide, two people probably, and we're running up the sidewalk, because the sidewalk's only so wide and we're getting ready to turn into the stadium. But on the pavement and on the other sidewalk, there, it's just wide, and it's full of people. And it struck me, I'm like, Lord, this is hard. This is why sometimes I think it's so easy to grow weary and want to give up as a Christian because narrow is the path that leads to life. Jesus himself said it, and few there will find it. I don't know about you guys, but that just makes me uneasy. Few will find it. And as I was running up that road, I just kept thinking, all these people coming behind me, 
and not thinking anything about what we just read in this great cloud of witnesses. I'm running up the road and I had this thought and, I'm, and I, I, I told my I'm just like talking to my wife. I'm like, this is nuts because I'm experiencing this in person in my mind. So then I turned the corner. My wife and I turned the corner and we turned into the stadium. And then you come in and you run around the stadium. And I'm not, I've never been a great athlete, never been in a stadium to compete, been at the Metro and Billings once in a while to compete in track, but that was it. But as I was running around that track, this scripture came to mind. We are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And Paul says, therefore, the therefore is this. And I want to make sure I cover a little bit of this tonight. Whenever you read the Bible, you guys, and you see a therefore, in Romans 12, he also says, therefore, offer yourselves up as a living sacrifice. Here he says, therefore, because of what he just covered in the earlier 11 chapters of Hebrews, the writer, whoever that is, we don't even really know for sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. There's a lot of speculation on that, but this writer wrote, therefore, therefore what? Because in chapter 11 is known as the hall of faith. The great cloud of witnesses that the writer is referring to, and you gotta realize he's writing the book of Hebrews to a bunch of Jewish Christians who are really thinking about going back to the old way. The whole idea of the book of Hebrews is this, if I can put it in one sentence, Jesus is better than the old way. The old sacrifices, Jesus is better. You don't have to sacrifice lambs and bulls and circumcision and all that any longer because Jesus is better. He's a once, one-time sacrifice forever and ever, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. <clears throat> so the writer's talking to a bunch of people that know the Old Testament, and he's going through that in chapter 11, he goes through the Old Testament. I want to read a few of them to you. In chapter 11, <clears throat> you see Abel in Genesis 4, Cain and Abel. <clears throat> Abel would tell you a good sacrifice is worth it because it cost him his life because his brother got jealous of him and killed him. You look at Noah. Noah, everybody knows Noah's ark, right? <clears throat> but do you realize how it took him over 100 years to build the ark? God came to Noah and said, hey, the whole world, and like we talked about before, Genesis 6, every thought of man is only evil all the time. And God looked down and he was going to destroy the earth, but he found right, Noah to be righteous. So he goes to Noah and he says, hey, <clears throat> I want you to build an ark. Do you guys realize it had not rained? He said, I'm going to flood the earth, God tells Noah. I'm going to flood the earth. There'd been no rain. Everything that was watered on the earth came from springs below. How'd you like to be Noah? Hey, I want you to build a boat. And it's going to rain so much, I'm going to flood the earth. But I want you to build this boat, and it's never rained. I don't know about you guys, but I'd be like, what? But that's one of the old, that's one of the hall of faith people. <clears throat> Another one, Rahab. Rahab is such a beautiful picture of this. I think Rahab's one of my favorite in chapter 11. Back in, I think it's in the book of, let's see. So I give you guys a book. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 2 and chapter 6. Excuse me. Rahab is this. She's the one where the spies come in. She hides the spies. She makes a deal with the spies. The Jewish spies says, hey, here's a deal. They said, okay, we, you will be spared when Jericho is destroyed if you hang this red cord out of the window and you stay put in your house. But don't you leave your house because if you leave your house, our deal's off, okay? So think about, think about Rahab. Her house was built in the wall of Jericho, you guys, some of you know the story, right? <clears throat> they marched, marched around Jericho seven days, right? And with a shout, and the trumpets blowing, and with a shout, the walls fell 
the walls of Jericho crumbled to the ground. Now, be Rahab. This is why it's so critical to read the Old Testament, you guys. Be Rahab for a second. Her and her family, when everything was crumbling around her, the walls were so thick on Jericho, they say they could race chariots on top. And when the walls were crumbling in Rahab's house, she stayed put. By faith, when the world was destroyed around her and everything she knew, she stayed put by faith and left that red cord hanging out of the window. And she is in the lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Rahab was a harlot. That's also in the Old Testament. Gideon, when he's down in the hole, threshing wheat, hiding from the Midianites, the angel of the Lord, who would be Jesus Christ, showed up at that little hole that he was in, threshing wheat, and he said, hey, mighty warrior. Gideon had to look up like, what? Those are great stories in Scripture. Daniel, you know he resolved not to eat from the king's table and was able to survive the lion's den because of it. And you take Jeremiah. <clears throat> Jeremiah, such a great guy in Scripture. Almost 50 years, I figure, he preached. 50 years. And nobody listened to him. How'd you like to be a preacher, a prophet, that went around telling God's word for 50 years and nobody listened to him? These are all the people, these are the cloud of witnesses that he's talking about in chapter 11 that we look at. These witnesses, I want to make this real clear. Nowhere in scripture that I've ever seen or studied do we see where our loved ones are looking down on us. That's not anywhere in scripture that I'm aware of. So for these guys to be witnesses, <clears throat> even though I looked at it this way in that stadium, they're not looking down on us. What they're doing is they're witnessing, they're bearing witness to us that if we stay with God, we will win the race. So it's like this. I shared this earlier today. <clears throat> it would be like this. Let's say I leave here tonight and I get run over by a truck on the way home. And I die and go to heaven. Which will happen one day. Not the running over by a truck, but going to heaven. <clears throat> I want my life to bear witness to all of you guys of what it is to follow God. Does that make sense to you guys? That's what these great cloud of witnesses are for. Read your, read, in Romans 15, verses, verse 4, it says this. This is why we should read the Old Testament as well. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us <clears throat> so that we would, by endurance, we would follow the scripture and find encouragement that they provide hope to us. You got to read the Old Testament, you guys, because if you don't spend time in your Old Testament, you're missing a lot of great stories. These witnesses <clears throat> were heroes of the faith. Now, what we need to do is run as they ran. And they ran by faith. And they did everything they did by faith. And here's the deal. Watch this. You ready? They believed in the promise of God that there would be a Messiah to come. And these people never saw Jesus. But we do. We know the end of the story. These guys didn't, by faith, they believed the end of the story was true. So we need to run like they run. The second point is this. <clears throat> Corey, if you bring that second one up, look at yourself. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race of, that God has set before us. In this, I want you guys to get something here. Um, this is a one-time thing when it says, strip off the, every weight that slows us down. 
This isn't something where I get to lay something that's bad for my relationship with God aside and then decide to go pick it up later again and run with it and try to run with it. What this is, is this weight that we're talking about. I got in your notes. Understand that the weight is not necessarily a sinful act. A weight that may slow us down in life may not be sin. It may be something that just slows down my growth with God. Something that's good but not great for my relationship with God. I wrote a couple things down there. What are you using your time for? Well, I've got 24 hours in a day. What are you using your time for? Because that will determine, that's something, if you're doing something that's absorbing too much of your time and you're not able to get in scripture, you gotta find whatever that is and lay it aside and not do it any longer and adjust your schedule. What about forms of entertainment? We talked a little bit about this last week. What if I'm putting something in that is unhealthy for me? That's something else that may not even be sin, but it's something I love playing video games. <clears throat> Maybe I need to lay aside that time to play video games, or I like texting my phone, or I like being on Snapchat. I would challenge you guys to think about that. How much time, time yourself throughout the day that you're on social media, and then time yourself throughout the day that you spend time in God's word. Social media may not even be a sin, but it's something that hinders my growth with God. But it says that we have to be especially careful to lay aside the sin that so easily trips us up. You see in here that he never really makes what the sin is specific. And I like that personally. It could be the sin of unbelief because he, remember he's talking to the Hebrew or the Jewish Christians that were wanting to go back to the old way. They may have started to have this un, the sin of unbelief. It could very well be that they had some sin in their life. They had secret sin that they had to lay to the side. I don't know what that sin was because it doesn't make it clear here, but it does make it clear that you know because God will tell you. God will speak to your heart and let you know whatever that sin is that you have that you need to get rid of. He will let you know what it is. It's up to you to lay it aside. In Scripture, in Luke 21, 34, it says this, Be careful or your hearts will be weighted down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxiety of life. And that day will close in on you suddenly like a trap. In other words, when you're sinning, you may be getting away with it for a time, but that day will close in on you like a trap according to the book of Luke. Colossians 3.8 tells us this, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. So think about this. I have to lay things aside. Think about what Colossians tells us. <clears throat> Rid yourself of these things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. How many times a day are you using filthy language that comes from your lips and out of those same lips we sing on a Wednesday night and we praise God? It's up to you guys what language you use because God makes it very clear. We're gonna, give a, we're gonna give an account for every careless word that we speak, the scripture says. <clears throat> but according to Colossians, these are some of the things that we need to lay aside. And this has to do with, this also impacts your serving God too. If you've got a bunch of stuff that's weighing you down as you run through life being a servant of God, these are gonna impact that as well. This isn't just about your, what your, you and your personal relationship with God are. It will hinder you as far as serving as well. And if you have any secret sin in here tonight, tonight's the night, confess it. Get it off your plate, get over it, and move on with God and quit running with this in your backpack because it will slow you down. The word race means this. 
to struggle or to contest in agony. <clears throat> so the word race in the Greek means to struggle. So you're gonna struggle with this, but you gotta make sure that you keep your eyes on the prize, that you finish strong. So now run the race with your eyes fixed on Jesus. You develop endurance by doing that. So the third point is this. Look to Jesus. <clears throat> so we do all this. We will not grow weary when we do this by keeping our eyes looking onto Jesus, the init who initiates and perfects our faith. So that's how you do it. You want to know how not to grow weary in your well-doing? You want to know how you don't get to where you want to quit your Christian faith and walk away? And you guys may think I'm nuts. These are seeds I may be planting for when you're in college someday. <clears throat> when you go to college and everybody, everything in college is going to tell you everything you learned in this room is a lie. And you're a fool for believing it. Those days are coming. At work, when you work a job, it's the same thing. People will treat you as though you're a moron if you believe in this Christian thing. So this may not be something you're experiencing right now, but when you feel yourself grow weary and you want to walk away from your faith, here's what you need to do. Turn your eyes back on the one that gave you your faith. Look up. Looking up means this. <clears throat> this idea of looking onto or turning away, you're turning away from something and you're turning to someone. I'll give you guys what I think about an addict. You ready? Here's my example with that. I believe there's a lot of people that have addictions in their life that they really do their best to turn away from their addiction. <clears throat> so if my addiction is pornography and I've got this addiction going on and I, I so want to stop and I don't want to do this anymore and I want to quit, they do a very good job at turning away from something. Watch me now. I look into pornography and I turn away from something and I look at a vast wasteland of nothing and all I think about is what I don't want to do. I'm not going to do this. I am not going to do this. I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do this. But there's nothing in front of me yet. I've just turned away from pornography. I've turned away from pornography and I'm not going to do it anymore. I am not. I am not going to. I don't want to do this. Please, Lord, help me not do this. I don't want to do this. But what's an addict do? Because they didn't turn to someone. They turned back to something that they were addicted to because they fail. Watch. If we do what this says and we keep our eyes looking to and onto Jesus, I turn away from what I'm addicted to. I'm turning away from whatever sin that is. I'm turning away from something and I'm turning 180 degrees to someone. You guys picking up what I'm laying down? You want victory in your life? That's how you do it. If you're gossiping, if you're being mean to people, you got anger, you got filthy language, you have to turn away from something which is good, but you have to turn to someone which is Christ. And that's where we find our victory. That's how we get over these things. It says this in, uh, let me back up for just a second. When, when in this day, in the context of what was being written here, <clears throat> this is almost like a stadium setup. They would go into the arena and they would run these races. You guys have been at track meets, right? You see the track athletes getting ready to run the race. What do they do? They take off their sweats. They get right down into their shorts and their tank top so that they can run faster. It gets rid of everything that might slow them down. They're going to do that. Why are they doing that? Because they want to win the race. Don't they? 
When you look down at a track and you see someone taking off their, their top and their sweats and they lay them to the side, why? Because they know it will slow them down if they wear them and they will not win the race. Do we do that as Christians? We know if we hang on to this stuff, we're not going to win the race. And in this, the other thing is this idea of keeping our eyes on Jesus. In this arena, when they would run, when this time when the Grecian, the, the, Olympics, the Olympics were going on for them, what they would do is they would run, they would lay light aside everything that would hinder them, and they would run the race with their eyes fixed on, a lot of times, Zeus, their Greek god. That's who they would run for to the glory of Zeus, and they would keep their eyes fixed on the one they were running for. So when they're running around this track, they're doing it for a reason. They're doing it because they belong to that country, and they do it because they're serving their God as they're running around that track. They're running for his glory. Are you? As a Christian, don't we, shouldn't we do the same thing? As a Christian, when I'm running this race, I lay aside everything that's going to hinder me, every sin that will slow me down, every weight that I need to get rid of. Why? Because I want to win the race. Do you? If you'll take these two comparisons and you'll look at doing this, and while you're running, if you just keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the one who gave you your faith and the one that will help you finish your faith, that will change everything for you. Psalm 16, 8 says this, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him in my right hand, I will not be shaken. As we run through life, we will glance at the witnesses in our lives that are good Christians, but we need to keep our gaze upon Jesus. That's the difference there. When we looked, in, in, it, this is such an odd scripture. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Jesus found the cross joy because he remembered why he was doing it. It was for everyone sitting in this room, everyone that ever has been and is to come is why he did it. And that's where he found his joy. And when we go through circumstances in life, for us to find our joy we got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He's the one that will provide that. Jesus gives us the example of what it looks like because he ran this race of life perfectly. I don't know if any of you have watched that show, The, or, uh, uh, the Chosen. <clears throat> Excuse me, The Chosen. In that show, I think they've done a very good job at this, depicting Jesus is God. They're hands down, they make it very clear that he's God, but they also make it very clear that he's human because in that you see Jesus' humanity. And in his humanness, he ran the race. Although he was 100% God and 100% man, he ran the race in his human body. That's why you see him in the desert when he was tempted by Satan. He ran perfectly, but when he ran this race, he kept his eyes fixed on the Father. He never took his eyes off the prize as to why he was doing what he was doing. And that changed everything. So he is our example. And the last thing I'll say is this, and I'll turn you to small groups. Jesus is not just our example. He's our enabler. He's not just your example. He is your enabler and he will enable you by his grace to run this race and never grow weary and you will never give up. Talk about this at your small groups and we'll wrap it up here in just a few minutes. Okay, if I can have everybody's attention back to the front of the room, I'll let you guys wrap it up with your conversations here in just a minute, but I want to get done on time tonight if we can because we don't normally do that. 
All right, so I talked to you guys about my marathon at the beginning, right? When I hit the wall at 18 miles and I just quit running, right? And I just, I, man, and my wife ran the half marathon, which I was very proud of her. So she's already done. And I had my cell phone. And some of you heard me tell this story, but I want to make a point here. She had her cell phone. I had my cell phone. And I'm walking along. And I've been walking for a while. There's some dude on the four-wheeler, kind of the course marshal was going by me. He's like, you want to ride? Oh, man, did I want to ride? Really, really bad did I want to ride? And I'm like, no, I'm good. I called Rachel on the phone. said, you got to come get me. I can't do this. I just, I can't. So I said, just, I told her where I was at, about mile 19 by this point. I'm like, you got to come get me. I can't do it. Hung up the phone, and I'm walking along, and I was like, no, no. I called her back, and I told her, I said, I don't care what I tell you. I don't care what I call you. I don't care how much I beg you. You do not come and get me, because I'm going to finish this race. That's your Christian walk, you guys. You're going to hit the wall, and it's going to suck. And with all you, all everything within you, you're going to want to quit. But we were just talking over at that table, and I'm going to use Kylie as an example. I remember watching Kylie Christensen um, in high school. And I would watch her get picked on in youth group. I would watch people be ornery to her and demeaning to her. She doesn't remember all this, but I remember it. But I want to share something that we talked about at their table with this thought. What she wanted was more important than what she was experiencing. So she kept going. And now she's married to Clark, got a great job, wonderful family, walking with God. Her life is blessed beyond measure because what she wanted, hear me, was more important than what she was going through. If we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus... What we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, is more important than anything you're going to be going through at any time in your life, you guys, as a Christian. Back to my marathon, all I knew was this. I wanted to finish. So what I wanted was more important than what I was going through. And about mile, between mile 18 and mile 19, you ready? Here's what I started doing. And I am not exaggerating because I still, I could barely walk. So I just started doing this number. And about mile 21, 22, I was able to pick it up and get a pretty good stride going again. What I wanted was more important than what I was experiencing. And how we do that is we keep our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith. We look at the witnesses around us and we are encouraged by them. They're my heroes and it gives me hope. And I want to run the race like they do. And then I turn and I look within myself. I look at myself and I go, Lord, search my heart. I want to be able to lay aside anything that doesn't bring, me glory, doesn't bring you glory. I want to lay aside any, anything that weighs me down or any sin that might entangle me. I want to put it to the side because I want to run this race with you. And then we look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross for you and I. So when you do these things, I believe it will keep you from being weary and quitting. And I want to help you guys with this last thought, and then I'm done. Every day, because I want to take this, this idea of Christianity and getting to heaven 
and I want to bring it right down to every day. And at the end of every day, I want to be like the Apostle Paul. Think about this, you guys. If I run this race, I want to be like the Apostle Paul. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, he says this. I have, this is at the end of Paul's life. This is just before tradition say he was beheaded by Nero. He's writing to Timothy and he says, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race and I kept the faith. Now that's Paul's life. I wanna lay this at you guys' feet tonight. I want you to live such a life in Christianity that every day you can lay your head on the pillow at night and you can pray this before you go to bed. Thank you, Lord, because today I fought the good fight. Today I finished the race and today I kept the faith. Thank you, Lord, for that blessing. And then you go to sleep and you will rest well. Keep your eyes fixed on him and you will not grow weary and you will never quit. Winston Churchill said this at a, at a college graduation. He was the commencement speaker and he got up and this is history and you can find this on YouTube if you go look for it. Winston Churchill gets up in front of this group of college graduates, walked to the podium and said this, never give up. Never give up. Never, never, never in anything great or small, large or petty, never give up except to convictions of honor and good sense. You keep running the race and you run it well and you will never grow weary and you will never quit if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good. I'm grateful, Lord, for these words, and I pray, man, you laid out on my heart a long time ago with the Apostle Paul, Lord, where we can say at the end of each day, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I kept the faith today, Lord, and we do all that by your grace and by your mercy, and we do it to your glory. So I pray for these students and every leader, including myself in this room tonight, that we remember how we find victory and we run well as believers, and it's by your grace and by keeping our eyes fixed on the author and finisher of our faith, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for it's in his name we pray, amen. Love you guys, you're dismissed, everyone. Have a great night.